Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is Ivan Estrada, who is author of Brand with Purpose. We will discuss branding. Ivan is also Chief Executive Officer of Ivan Estrada Properties, a real estate agent with 12 years of experience and a public speaker. He created Brand with Ecosystem, which contains Brand with Purpose, Brand with Video, and Brand with Podcast. Ivan, welcome. Thank you so much, Lena. How are you? I am great. Thank you. I have a slightly off-topic question to get us started, and then we'll get onto the branding. I saw this really interesting report yesterday. I think it was the Hollywood Reporter that published the article, but don't quote me. The essence was that crime has reached such a peak in California and specifically in Los Angeles that now people are building panic rooms as a mainstream, if mainstream is a thing, in a four or five million dollar house and up. Is that true? Ooh, just, we're just getting straight to the juicy stuff, Elena. Um, that is true. I actually have two clients at the moment um, who are pretty well known um, in the $5 million plus market. And we are looking for homes where we can put in a panic room. Um, you know, crime in even Beverly Hills has gone pretty bad. And people who do well want to protect themselves. They want to protect their assets, most importantly, their family. Um, and so it's become quite a thing. And so it's it's really scary. You know, we're, we're living in a very odd time. But, um, you know, panic rooms are definitely a thing now. So uh, and I think we're going to see this rising unless we see crime falling here in Los Angeles uh, and California as a whole. Wow. Is that happening nationwide? I've only heard about it happening specifically in in California. Do you think it's happening in other states? You know, I think it's definitely happening in other states, but being Los Angeles, right, we're kind of in the center of the world. Um, you know, the uh, the news media does like to really highlight us for some reason. Um, but I do think it's happening everywhere. You know, obviously, we're we're suffering some some inflation, right? Obviously, that's that's pretty well known. Um, prices are rising for everything, food, services, real estate just continues to rise. And, you know, just wages are not keeping up with that. And so certain people are just like, forget it. I think I'll just turn to crime because, you know, the our wages are not paying for the bills. Um, and so obviously I'm not an economist. You know, I'm just stating what I'm reading because I, I am quite the reader. I I'm always reading the LA Times and the Wall Street Journal um, to get my news, but uh, I do think it's nationwide. But obviously, Los Angeles is such a big population, and California, being the fifth largest economy in the world, um, you know, it, it's it's quite bad here. Well, and of course, the trendsetter, right? Of course, of course. Like I said, we're Los Angeles and me being in Beverly Hills are like the center of the universe. Sometimes it feels like and, you know, it's it's I do think it's happening everywhere, but mostly highlighted here in Los Angeles. Now, let's talk about branding. Help us understand, because it's it's the kind of word that everybody thinks they know, but it's the the lines are blurry. Help us understand 
what do we mean when we say branding? What is a brand for purposes of our discussion today? So everyone is a brand. Um, you know, one of my mentors and my coach of eight years, Aaron Keith, said a brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. Right. It's not just for a product or service. It's how you treat people. It's how you do business. Um, and so for me, as a CEO of Ivan Strata Properties and also the CEO of Brand With, obviously it has different meanings, right? In real estate, my brand is, you know, I do high-end luxury. Um, I'm also a CPA by trade. And so our branding is very heavy on people in finance, in business, in law. Um, but it really depends on who you are as a company. Um, I would always tell my friends and my clients when they were building a brand is what's your voice? Like, what is your message? Because the foundation of a brand is your voice and your message. And in order to get to that, you really have to figure out who you are, like, who are you and what is your goal? And that's, what's going to lead you to build a brand. The concept is going to vary when you're talking about a personal brand, like a celebrity, a service like real estate, a hybrid, and perhaps real estate is more of a hybrid because it's a service, but it, it's also a product, a property. How does branding change depending on what we're talking about? A person, a service, a product, a hybrid? So with a person, right, we all have social media. So how, what we post, the photos, the messaging that we put out on our posts, that's our personal brand, right? It's, it's what we believe in. You know, if you're putting out uh, political or, you know, family photos, dog photos, uh, you know, photos of you on vacation, that's pretty much your personal brand, right? It's what we get as a consumer or as a, as an audience, I would say is, is the, the figure that we get from what you post. That's a personal brand. Um, for a service, obviously the branding comes in, okay, what service do you provide? Um, why should you come and purchase our service? Like what makes you better than the competitor? What is the value that you have in that the other company or competitor does not. Um, and when you're putting out an actual product, right, it's first and foremost, what is your product? Like what pain point does your product serve for the consumer? Why should you buy a product? What value does it have? Why, why should you continue to buy a product time and time and time again? And when you have both a product and a service, right, the, it's, the branding is the product itself, the messaging, it's the continuation of the, the um, I would call it the um, reputation of the brand, right? Because most brands that we know, for example, Apple, I mean, Apple has been around for a very, very long time. And we continue to buy it because it's something that we can relate to. It's a product that we know has been around for a while that we can trust. It's a product that we know is part of innovation. And if we're an innovative personality who's looking for a product that we can trust, that we can, that we know how to use, that's easy to use. We're going to continue to buy Apple. Um, and so for a brand, I mean, it's, it's the messaging and as a personal brand, as a service, as a product, and also as a hybrid, 
we all have a message. And first and foremost, as the CEO, you have to figure out what is that message that you want to broadcast. And how do you do that? Because everybody has multiple sides, if you will, or multiple characteristics that might make them desirable from a branding perspective. But you have to make a decision, right? Exactly. So um, what I did for my company and something that I continue to teach people about branding is creating brand pillars is very important. Um, five, I think, is ideal. Um, and I'll give you mine because mine are obviously in, re in relation to real estate. And then I can give you examples of others. But for me, my brand pillars in the real estate arena is real estate, community, design, te technology and philanthropy. And so under each pillar, for example, real estate, I have written down market trends, local market trends, national real estate market trends, interest rates. Under technology, I have home technology, um, vehicle technology, transportation technology, because all of that affects real estate. And so those five pillars I follow, like they're like my Bible. Um, all of our content that we create, our video content, our blogs, our website, our brochures, we follow those brand pillars for everything. Um, and so for a product or a service or even a personal brand, putting together five brand pillars of what you stand for is incredibly important because that keeps you, that keeps people really relate. Well, one, it keeps them relatable to you, to you. And two, it keeps them from getting confused, right? Because I think some people try to, if you're starting a brand and you're kind of all over the place and people don't really know, well, is this a product? Is this a service? Or I'm kind of confused. And if you have these brand pillars that you can use as a solid foundation, then you know it's going to be a lot better for you to have a direct message that people will not be confused by. Let's explore that a little bit. So for example, when you talk about technology, one of the ideas that comes to mind is a recent interaction that I had with a prospective realtor and she would not talk to me. She wanted me to text her what it was that I wanted before communicating with me. She would not interact in any other way. How do you decide what approach to take in that regard because different people have different preferences. Some people only communicate on social media. Some people only communicate via text, via phone. You know, the list goes on. Wow. Well, well, that's very interesting, Elena, <laughs> uh, that she would only want to communicate via text. But um, that's why I think when you're building your brand, it's also important that you're building the, the right team, right? Because a team is an expansion of your brand. Um, for example, part of my team and other successful teams, not just in real estate, they have different people who communicate in different ways, right? It's still the same messaging, but some are more social media heavy, and that's what their gift is. Some are better on the phone. Some are better texters. And so as long as those people, right, they're, we, like I would always say, you know, there's 
we all have our certain niche, right? And people who are attracted to us, like our brand. Like for me, I'm very extroverted. I love public speaking. I'm very out there. And those are the type of clients that I attract because we connect, right? We They always say that we do business that from people that are like us, that are similar to us. And so having a wide array of people that are complementary to your brand but also that communicate in different ways that can communicate with different people is ideal. Um, because I do, I'm, I'm a phone person. I love talking on the phone, but I've had clients who are millennials who are, no, 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 don't call me, just text me. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm like a chameleon. I'm very versatile and I can definitely do that. Um, but Hey, everyone communicates in different ways and, and there's, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks. And as long as you get the right people who, um, who that's their strong suit, if they're just texters, then that's the type of clientele that they're going to attract the people who just like to text. How do you convey that when you are creating these pillars that you describe to us? It's not just saying that you are technology able and competent or fluent but you need to go into more detail, right? Correct. Well, like, for example, on our website, um, when on our About Us page, we talk about, like, what is our secret sauce of what makes my company successful and, and our type of clientele, right? I think, for example, if you go to the St. Regis, to their website, or or you go to the Sheraton, you know, it's it's a completely – there's still hotels – but when you go to their About Us page or even just taking a glance at their website, you get an understanding of what their market is, right, their niche. Um, and, for example, when people go to my website, they get an understanding of, you know, who we are individually um, because I have different agents from different countries who speak different languages, who have different backgrounds. Like, for example, my background, I went to business school um, at USC, so I'm finance and accounting and I'm also a CPA. Um, I have another agent who has a background in just media. He used to be on television, so he's very tied into the media world. I have another agent who's uh, from Russia, but originally from Korea. So she speaks Korean, she speaks Russian, she speaks Spanish, she speaks English, and her background is in um, in uh, in advertising. And so when people go to the website, they get an understanding of who we are as a team. And I've had certain people, clients call and say, hey, Ivan, love your company, um, would want to work with cert this agent because I feel like we can connect with each other. Like we're very similar. And when people say that we're very similar is that they're similar in the way that they brand themselves and how they carry themselves, like their, their, their voice. Um, and so I think the website is where you can really show people who you are as an individual, but also show them who you guys are as a whole, right? As a team, as a company. How much detail do you share when defining those five pillars? As detailed as possible. Um, so that you have your pillars, right? I would always, I recommend five. And then below that you have your sub pillars, which you can write another five. And even from those five, you can actually micro down to micro pillars and, and have more detailed content on each of the sub pillars. Um, again, these are more for content. Um, these are for messaging. Um, these are for, 
you know, if you're writing blogs or your flyers, your advertising, I mean, you can get as detailed as you possibly can. I honestly think that that's probably the best because then you, you're better understanding who you are as a company and who you're serving and not serving. So I always recommend try to get as, as nitty gritty and as detailed as possible because as, as you get more detailed, then you really hone in on who your customer base is and you know how to market to that customer base instead of just throwing money in marketing and advertising and hoping that it catches someone's attention when you know exactly when you have your pillars, your sub pillars and your micro pillars, you know exactly who your customer is. What is the profile of the customer that you're targeting? Let's look at it from that angle. For example, um, on the real estate side for Ivan Estrada Properties, the profile for my client, um, and we go to location worldwide because I have clients from all over the world. Um, in our company, ideally the age range is 35 to 45. Um, we have single and couples. Um, we don't deal with a lot of children actually here in the Beverly Hills area. I don't work with a lot of families. So you get a, a lot of people in entertainment, uh, media and finance. Um, a lot of people who are primarily not from Los Angeles. This is a second or third home from them. So they might live in New York full time or Aspen or Hong Kong or Paris. Um, and, and people who are looking in the luxury market space. Um, so that's my ideal client on the Ivan Estrada property side. And on the brand width side, it's small business and entrepreneurs. Um, so we are branding and marketing, most importantly, video marketing, because that's what really um, right now is what grabs people's attention. It's the way that you can pretty much multiply yourself, right, your message, um, your services, your products. And we help entrepreneurs who are brand new to the entrepreneur world, small businesses, mostly people in the sales industries who are trying to become better public speakers, better storytellers, um, better uh, leaders uh, through video. Tell us a little bit more about why you think that video is such an effective branding tool. So... Video is such an effective marketing tool because for my Ivan Estrada Properties company, I started doing this 13 years ago when no one else was using it. Um, I saw an opportunity to use social media at the time to expand and broadcast my brand through a wider net. Um, because we always say, God, I, I wish I can, you know, split myself into three or four different people. And through marketing and advertising using video, you can Right. It's a way of creating content and showing people that you are an expert in your field. Um, and so for a product, for a service or for a hybrid of both, um, it's the way that you can really connect with an audience because, you know, people don't really love to read anymore. They want short snippets of video. They want to understand who you are. Um, for example, if you're a doctor, if you're a dentist, an architect, a therapist, um, you know, having a video about who you are, right? Who, what, this is who I am. This is what makes me different. This is my ideal client. Um, and you get a better understanding of who they are as people, right? Um, what their story is. Um, and 
it's still an untapped market where a lot of people are uncomfortable getting in front of a camera and really being able to be themselves. Um, and that's why it was so important for me to create brand with video because our course is a course that helps you get out of your head, that helps you get, get over the fears of being in front of a camera, of how you look or how you sound. And it just helps you double down on, on broadcasting your service and your value to your marketplace in a way that is comfortable and most importantly, authentic. Because I think when they put a camera in your face, you know, you kind of become another person like, oh, who's watching this? And I don't want to be judged. Or what if I say something wrong? Um, the course is all about helping people really find their strengths um, and being able to broadcast it so that they can provide as much value to their clients through their services and their products. The video branding that you're talking about, do you think that it is valid across all of the market segments or are there particular market segments where it has a lot more validity? I think it's for every certain market segment. Um, if you own a major corporation, obviously every major corporation is constantly running video, right? Commercials. Um, every small business, you know, if you're a, a local architect or florist or, um, you know, running a babysitting business, creating a video bio about who you are and also the day in and day out of, of how you create value for your clients. Like what makes you special? What makes your product special? How do you use it? How can you maximize the value of a service or or a product from buying it from this certain company? So I think throughout any type of business or service, it's crucial, and especially for the CEO. Um, you know, we I know a couple of companies that the CEO is not they don't feel comfortable being on camera, and I and I don't I think that's that's not the best way to really broadcast the messaging because you could hire actors and you can put your employees. But as a CEO of your company, you know, I think it really helps people better connect with you and your message and people want to support you. If it's a, you know, a CEO who who really most importantly is authentic on camera of why their product and service is valuable to a certain consumer. How do you know that the videos are effective? Well, how do I know that the videos are effective? Um, so there's KPIs, right? Key performance indicators that we run for all of our videos. Um, and we also have pixels um, on all our websites. Um, and so on the back end, other than just putting video and counting the, the views or the likes or the comments, we follow the journey, right? So if they saw our, our video on YouTube, did they click on our link? Great, they clicked on our link to our website. Okay, perfect. Now, after they followed on our website, did they actually move forward to buying the product? Great. Some did, some didn't. Okay, and out of those people, who actually completed the whole transaction? And so we follow, and with media now, um, through Google, through YouTube, through Facebook, through Instagram, you can follow the entire journey um, of someone watching the video to then them being converted into an actual client. Um, and we do that for everything that we put out. Um, we run A-B testing. 
um, and A-B testing is when you try two different models, right? You have two different videos with two different messages for the same product, and we figure out which one connects more with people, which one has a more emotional connection with the consumer, where they able to go from watching the video to actually buying the product and service. Um, and so with now, you know, nowadays you can really use this to to leverage and and to also bring in as much business where before obviously without social media without video you would you know send out let's say flyers or postcards or um you know just rely on the website and not know exactly where the business was coming from unless you ask the consumer where did you hear from us but when you're using video and digital marketing you know exactly where they found you so you're saying that when you post a video on youtube you're using the information of plays and IP addresses to track the views and the uh, source of the customers? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because through digital marketing, we're able to, like, everything is linked together, right? It's like a, it's one, our videos on, let's say, Instagram have a link, and those are linked to our website, and then that website then will follow the journey from them actually then being converted into a client from the website, or also we send out video newsletters. And so when we, we can see who clicked on the video newsletter and from the video newsletter, did they go to our YouTube page? And from our YouTube page, the, then at that point, did they go to our website? From our website, did they actually buy the product? Um, and so we we're able to really see the journey um, from a specific customer. Um, so that way we can better hone in on our messaging um, because it's all about messaging. It's a, you know, having a great vi video is important, but also the messaging and the emotional connection that that brings to a consumer to then buy the product. What percentage of the, your clients, say, for example, as a realtor, do you trace directly to videos, people who you had never met before who found you through your videos? It's very high, 60%. It's 60%, and that's huge, especially in my business. And the thing that makes me feel great about that is whenever I get a phone call from someone I don't know, 90% of the time they say, hey, I went on YouTube or I went on Google and I searched for real estate agents and I saw your videos. Um, I got a sense of who you are as a professional and as a person, and I really connected with that. Um, can we talk? And at that point, when I go into their home or when we're on the phone, their tone is different. They're not looking at me as a salesperson that they don't know or don't trust. They've gotten a sense of who I am as a person, as a company, as a brand. Um, and that really makes it a lot easier for me to convert them from just uh, you know, an unknown consumer to an actual client because they get a sense of who Ivan is and that makes my job a lot easier. A lot of people have one public persona, say that they're doing public speaking or a presentation, a video, and then they have the person that they are when they're off camera. And it can be very jarring when you connect with the person that you thought was the person on the video and it's not the same one. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that's a very spicy question. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that comes to, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I believe that there's some inauthenticity there. Um, 
because, you know, I've, I have had that experience where I see someone on camera or creating videos and I get a sense of who they are and then I meet them in person and it completely shatters that, right? They're a completely different human being than what I thought. Um, and then that confuse, you know, in, that it, it's confusing. Um, you know, for me, when I get on camera or when I've taught people how to, how to get on in front of a camera to, you know, provide their messaging for their product or service, I think it's important to be you, right? And and we talk about that all the time, especially nowadays of being authentic and just be you and love yourself and all of that. Um, but when you're really good with who you are as a person, that's how it's going to relate on camera. And you want that same person on camera to be the person that people meet when they're with you in person. Because if you if you're not, then there's a disconnect and then people will not trust you. Um, I think for me, um, just learning how to be yourself on camera and then obviously be that same person in real life is what creates trust. It's, you know, consistency. And when people see that there's an inconsistency with what they saw based on who you are, then, you know, that's that's obviously that's not good. What advice would you give to people to keep authentic in this video branding aspect? How can they do that? Because perhaps not everyone is aware that this is happening. Definitely, you don't want to portray someone that you're not, right? You don't want to pretend to be someone that you're not because you think people expect that from you. Um, I think, you know, talking from personal experience, you know, in my the beginning of my career in Beverly Hills, I grew up in, in Eagle Rock in the eastern part of Los Angeles. You know, my dad, a, a janitor, he's still a janitor, um, and my mom was a seamstress. Um, and when I started working here in Beverly Hills in real estate, I was I lied about that. You know, I wasn't honest about where I came from because I was embarrassed because I thought, well, people are not going to want to work with me because I don't come from money. I didn't, I didn't go to the country club. I didn't go to Beverly Hills High School. Um, and that showed on camera whenever I, cause I, I started doing video 13 years ago. And when I really did a lot of unpacking personal development and, and I grew to be just completely proud of who I am and where I came from, um, which was in when I, around 30, which is almost eight years ago, the way that I appear to people, like they say how you occur and how I occurred on video was a completely different Ivan. Um, you know, I was very open about my story and where I came from and people connected with that, especially entrepreneurs. Cause they were like, oh, that's amazing that you were able to build everything that you were able to build from where you came from. Um, and when you're, when you're open about discussing, like when we talked to Elena, you asked me, what questions can I ask you? I said, ask me anything. I am not afraid of anything. I don't have any skeletons in my closet. Nothing is off the table. When you think like that and you're comfortable enough to answer the hard questions, then you'll appear authentic on video and it'll be the same person that people see in person than the person that they'll see on video. But if there's things that you're still not comfortable with about yourself or your or who you are, then it's going to show. One of the ideas that comes to mind when you say that is how far do you take that for example when you're doing video many people certainly women are compelled 
or feel compelled socially to be younger and prettier and more perfect than they are naturally. How can you be authentic and show who you are under your skin when you feel so much pressure to show a perfect vision of you that isn't real? I think, you know, a lot of those insecurities are self-inflicted um, because when I see a woman on camera and a man, but most importantly, a woman with no makeup and just being herself, being real, being proud of her body, being proud of how she looks, that's attractive to me. I love that because that's just raw and natural. And I, I do believe that slowly we're moving into this world where people want to see a little bit more of that because that's what creates human authentic connection. Um, when I see someone that's too perfect, it makes me feel a little bit that they're untrustworthy. Um, and I hate saying that, but just, you know, showing how vulnerable you are and, and just being honest. I, I see a lot of women, especially nowadays, not just in business, but in general, you know, sharing about how they feel, right? All these insecurities, all these pressures from society. And, and you'll see in the comments and you'll see in the views, like, oh my God, me too. I get that. I feel like that as well, you know? And then that creates kind of like a, a connection and, and it's more relatable to people. So, you know, when, when people want to put on the filters and want to look perfect and all of that, that shows on camera. And I don't think that's as taken as honestly and favorably than just really just being your true self without the filters, without all the makeup. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we're slowly moving out of that into a more just, we want something that we want people that are just raw, right? Raw, authentic, unfiltered, and just proud. How widespread would you say that view is? Because if you look at the mainstream, if you look at the figures that our society admires, idolizes, the celebrities, that is not what we're seeing. We're seeing a definite ageism. We're seeing a segmented society. And there is definitely a difference between binary, non-binary, and between the genders? You know, I think it depends on what field we're discussing, right? If we're, you know, online, if we're talking about entertainment, right? We, actresses and actors, both men and women, um, people in, in film and music, yeah, they want to appear younger because they feel like that's going to get them the roles, right? And I do feel like there are certain pressures in certain industries to look a certain way and to stay thin. And obviously society still has a lot to go. But when I look at some of my nephews, um, you know, who are 12, 13 years old, um, some of my friends' kids who are 17, 18, 19, um, and this is in my personal, through my personal experience and in my world, you know, they're, they're not as tied to that as, as I would say, as the general public is. Um, and so I think it really depends. It depends on the industry. It depends on what part of the world you're in. Um, obviously I live in Beverly Hills, right? You'd think around here, it's very, you know, it's appearances. It's, you've got, 
the people who do all the work on the face and the clothes and, you know, they drive the cars and, you know, we don't really know what's happening behind the scenes of, of what the, what the real world looks like for them. Um, but I think that we're slowly changing out of that, or maybe I'm the one who's slowly changing out of that because I, as a person now, as a 37 year old, um, Latino man of the LGBTQ plus community, like I like the raw. I like the people who are not perfect. I like the people who are real. I like the people who are happy with what they look like and and how they're aging and regardless of body image and all of that stuff with who they are as people. Because at the end of the day, we're all getting older, right? Oprah would always say, you know, we're all going to sag and your eyes are going to bag. But it's the person that you become and the person that you are at the end is what really matters. So how do you integrate that into your brand, let's say, with Grace? How do you integrate that into your brand with Grace? Um, you know, it depends. I think it depends. It depends if are, if you're a personal brand. Obviously, it's being vocal, right? It's being very vocal about how you feel, who you're trying to attract. Um, also, for, as a small business, Right. It's it's part of the messaging that you put out. It's the content that you put. Right. If I'm in a product of selling beauty, right, makeup, I want to show people of all ethnicities, of all ages, of all sizes. I want to show what the world really looks like, not just through a filtered lens of beauty of, you know, this is the ideal size. This is the ideal skin color. This is the ideal blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all part of the messaging. How do you want to reflect that through your social media, through your videos, right? When I do my videos and, and especially through just uh, my brand with video, I want people to see themselves in, in, in the characters. In my book, my book is 50% men, 50% women. I have men who – I have people that are straight, gay, transgender, non-binary, different – different, um, different parts of the world, different perspectives. Um, to me, that's how I reflect it. And I think as a brand, you know, it's it's in your branding, it's in your messaging, it's in what you write, it's in what you talk about, and also in what you don't talk about. Because what you don't talk about, especially if it comes to diversity, inclusion, then, you know, people get the message. You've talked about social media several times during our conversation. Tell us a little bit more about how you decide what channels, what length, what message, and how that varies from channel to channel, if it does. Yeah, so all of them do vary. Um, YouTube, obviously, I would call it, it's like the mothership of video, right? Google owns YouTube, so for any content creator, every company, small business, personal brand, large brand, um, having a footprint on YouTube is incredible because of their power of SEO and just people expect it. Um, that's where you put all your content regardless of length. Um, you know, Instagram and TikTok right now, TikTok being probably the biggest social media platform on the planet. It's no longer just for the kids and the dancing. It's every major company is advertising on TikTok and it's short form video. Um, I had discussed prior that people's attention spans are much shorter than what they used to be, and people want to digest information in small little bits. 
And so creating video content that's less than 30 seconds, less than a minute, that's impactful um, is very important. Um, you know, personally, I'm on TikTok, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, and if, if your business is more, for example, um, if you're in the law industry or something that's a little bit more conservative, LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is a great way to advertise your videos or your messaging blogs or whatnot. Um, but I am one who doubles down on all of them. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Um, and so we do our horizontal and vertical videos on all the platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Now, that is a full-time job, especially for people with shoestring budgets or companies who are just trying new channels. Do you have dedicated staff that handle these different channels? Are you doing this yourself? Um, so when it comes to social media, I actually handle it myself. Um, this is a project that I do every single night um, when I'm unwinding and maybe watching some TV is when I go on and I post all of my content. Um, you could hire a company to do it for you, um, but for me personally, so that my message doesn't get interrupted or or it just it loses its its impact, I like to do it myself. Um, I'm a writer. Um, I'm very creative. Um, I want to really show people who who is Ivan and having that power through social media is what I like to do. And obviously, you can hire a company because at some point, if you're growing, then you need to hand it off to a social media expert. Um, but when you do, you have to just make sure that your messaging, that it doesn't, that it still has that personal touch. Um, all of my social media channels are have that personal touch with the consumer. Um, and as you get as you get bigger in your business, obviously, you need to hand that off and you need to find someone who understands that. Um, but especially for small businesses, I think 20, 30 minutes a week is what I do when I post all of my content at night when I'm just watching TV and relaxing. Um, and it gets done. It's very, very easy. I think once you start doing it um, and you get a system going, it's just very, very simple. You talked about the importance of video, and yet video often requires a lot of time to edit and to perfect. How can you do that in 20 to 30 minutes a week? So I hire a videographer. Um, so my video content, I spend one day every three months where I film that entire day. I film with a, a professional videographer um, that I've known for a very long time. And my assistant helps me put together content, right? So we have our brand pillars. I tell my assistant once every three months, let's put together some material of what we think the consumer will want to know more about, right? It's all about creating value and, and content that people are going to see as value for themselves. Um, and so my assistant will put together a bunch of ideas and then I would call my videographer and for an entire day, we just shoot film. We shoot video, 
Uh, for example, for myself, I shoot all over Los Angeles. We'll pick different locations. We'll shoot from my office. And now I have video content that he edits, that he splices up, puts subtitles on them, puts the music, and sends me three months of video content that I could post. Once I have that video, all I have to do is it, the entire messaging, which takes me two minutes to write, I just copy and paste that on all of our platforms. It's the same video that goes on all the platforms because I have different, I would say, market segments that follow me um, in those different platforms. And it's as simple as that. And I have it for three months. And um, that way, regardless of what happens in my day-to-day -day life, if things get busy, um, you know, I'm more demand is needed from me for my clients. And, you know, I have the videos ready to go and it's not something that then I'm not going to do because especially for video consistency matters. Now you also talked about how you follow the results, how you track the results. And so is there another staff person who's doing that? Because that can also be very time consuming. So it's actually very easy to do um, on the back end. So Facebook um, has Facebook Business Manager. And Facebook Business Manager is, it takes me maybe two minutes to post a video and then market it to my sphere of influence. Um, through Facebook Business Manager and also the Google Display Network, um, which is Google and YouTube, that's how you advertise your videos on YouTube, on the back end is where you can see all of that without actually having to then put in all the work. Um, as your company gets larger, yes, you would probably have to outsource this to someone who can, in maybe a part-time basis, analyze all the numbers. But as a new entrepreneur, as a small business, this is something that you can do on your own and that's super easy um, through the Google Display Network and Facebook Business Manager. Um, and, you know, these are two names that I would definitely go on YouTube. Like, I always tell people, Google and YouTube is your best friend. You YouTube these two names, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and how to use it for your business. And it's, it's life-changing because it's how you market your videos to the masses. And also, it gives you all of the analytics so you can see where it's going, who's opening, and pretty much if those people are actually clicking through to go to your website. There's a lot of controversy about the reliability of data from some of these channels and uh, some companies that have actually been sued for providing information that turned out not to be accurate in the ad channels that they were offering. How do you, if at all, track the results at the granular level when you're budgeting or planning the next campaign, the next project? So for me, and actually through Google and Facebook, um, before you were able to really go micro, you can actually put, who do you want to who do you want to market to? Okay, I want to market to people in this specific area who make this amount of income yearly, whose interests are this, this, and that. Um, that has changed. Now it's a lot more broad, so you're not kind of honing in on people and people feel invaded upon um, when it comes to privacy. Um, so with that being said, you know, for us in real estate, um, 
there's two options of how we market our, our content. One is a very macro level. For example, it gives us a five mile radius where we can just market our videos and whoever sees them, great. Those might be potential clients. And for me, a five uh, five mile radius is great because that's that's my um, my the span of my business in real estate. Um, but also, you can upload customer lists, and and I upload and and a customer list are people that have worked with me, people that are friends and family, people that I've networked with. Um, and Facebook and Google will show your ads in your videos to those specific people. And these are people who already know you, like you, trust you. Um, and so it kind of keeps me out of trouble. But also within Facebook and Google, they have a lot of um, controls to make sure that you're following the rules um, and that you're not invading upon, you know, or spamming people out there who don't really want to get your content. How would you describe the importance by percentage of the various channels that you described? So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. What percentage of your marketing time and marketing budget do you dedicate to each of these? So it depends on your product and service. Um, for example, on the real estate side, um, even though TikTok is a big marketplace right now and of all ages, a big part of my consumer pool does not come from TikTok. Um, it comes through Instagram and Facebook. Um, and so a huge part of our marketing spend monthly goes towards Facebook and Instagram. Um, on, you know, versus I have a couple of friends who have products such as shoes or makeup um, and they kill it on TikTok um, through their ads and on Facebook and Instagram, not as much. So I think it really depends on your product and service, your demographic, and it, it, it all comes down to testing. Um, you know, I always say, okay, if you have five different platforms, right, let's say TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and LinkedIn, let's, let's, let's equally spend the same amount on each platform for our product and service and after a month, because I think 30 days is a good way to kind of figure out, like have a really general idea of if your ads are working or not, if you're, if you're getting consumers, and figure out, okay, great, YouTube and Facebook, we got zero. Um, no one clicked or no one bought our product, but on TikTok, um, we had a huge pool of buyers. Okay, great, so let's start putting more money into TikTok and let's still keep trying the other ones for another 30 days with a much smaller uh, marketing spend. And if for some reason after another 30 days there's nothing coming in from, for example, YouTube, then I would take that out completely and double down on where you know your consumers are coming from. Um, and that's all just, again, through testing and figuring out because I don't think there is a specific formula for any business, I think it all comes in through testing and figuring out what works best for the type of client and audience that you're trying to reach. Yes, one of the things that comes to mind is if you are a medical professional or a mortuary, an author, it, the spectrum is very broad and I wonder to myself, do people who are looking for a funeral home follow any of these channels when they're looking 
to make a decision or likewise for a plastic surgeon or a hip replacement, a knee replacement, a book author. How do these yeah, concepts translate? Mortician. I was just thinking a mortician, definitely not on TikTok. I don't know if that's the, that's the energy, right? That, that, that someone, especially a consumer on TikTok, if they see something from a mortician, I think I would freak out. Um, I think probably for a mortician, it's more, you know, Facebook or YouTube. Um, cause I have seen a couple of forest lawns, which is our cemetery here in Los Angeles ads for me on YouTube. I'm like, wait, 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 I'm only 37. I don't need to see these yet. Um, but I think it depends on the, you know, on the consumer, um, uh, professional services on TikTok, you know, lawyer, doctor, maybe not. I think that's more Facebook, um, Instagram and YouTube. Um, you know, for TikTok, I see, even though I, again, I keep saying that it's a much broader audience, but a lot of the kids and the kids, I mean, teenagers and, and in their younger twenties, they're buying a lot of products and services through TikTok, um, not through Facebook, um, as much, not through Instagram. Um, but I think it's more dependent on the product. Um, and also through YouTube, it's connected to Google. So, you know, you're not only just advertising your videos through YouTube, but they're also popping up on the side banners um, and the lower half banners um, on Google. What about people who are not on those channels? Are you missing out on all of that market segment? A hundred percent. I mean, I think nowadays, I mean, when I think about, for example, my parents, my mom is 70, my dad is 68, uh, they are very, very well in line with using social media and Google and YouTube. I mean, my mom is always on YouTube sending me, you know, all these remedies for cold, for, you know, for cooking, cooking recipes. Um, so I think if you're not on any of those platforms, you are 100% missing out. Um, you know, obviously there's other mediums of branding and advertising, which is, you know, I still get flyers in the mail, brochures, um, but that's, that's kind of, in my opinion, that's a very small marketplace. That's, I would say 5% in my personal opinion. I think 95% of people are online and they're on some of these platforms. And if you're not on any of them, you're missing out. Over time, we've seen the social media and the technology evolve. If you remember MySpace a long time ago. And then all of the revolution. One of the things, for example, I haven't heard you mention is Twitter. Is that something you don't even look at? Well, it depends on the industry. Um, so, for example, for real estate agents, um, we do not use Twitter. Uh, but for authors, right, we started using Twitter I, you know, I authored uh, brand with purpose. And so we've now used Twitter for, for my book, um, and for my courses as well. So I think it depends on the industry. If you're in the news industry, um, right. Writing articles, I think Twitter is great. Um, people in the entertainment business, uh, love Twitter as well. Um, but if you're trying to sell a product and a service, I don't really think that Twitter is the way to go. I think Twitter is more about sharing information and insight, um, than really trying to sell something. Um, we don't use, you know, Twitter to sell anything. It's just providing information that we think is valuable that someone would want to know about. 
what is next? Because as we were saying, their evolution of all of these different channels in media and the fragmentation of the market have led to many changes and many choices and no universal agreement, but it's still evolving. What is coming after TikTok? So what's coming after is Web3. Um, and this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, we have the metaverse, which is already in play. Um, and what Web3 is, it's the next evolution of the internet where we'll be able to actually experience things firsthand instead of just looking at them through our desktop, our phone, or our, our laptop. Um, Web3 is going, in my opinion, going to change the way that we live. Um, you know, I, for example, in real estate, there's the metaverses where people are buying virtual real estate. Um, and at first I thought, that's strange. Like, why would you pay 50, 100 millions of dollars for virtual real estate? But the younger consumer is in the virtual world. They love living in the virtual world. And it's not gonna replace our regular world, but it's it's an alternative. It's a, it's a, it's a place where you can be and do anything that you wanna do. And so um, with Web3, for example, there's already major markets such as Walmart and Target um, and other um, uh, major companies who are investing in Web3 so that you, know, you can buy products on Web3 by using your avatar, putting on clothes and having them shipped directly to your home without having to actually drive down to your local you know, Bloomingdale's, you'll be able to do it in the metaverse with your Oculus goggles and be able to try things on without having to actually ever leave your couch. Um, so that's what's going to be, in my opinion, the next big thing. I don't think it's an if, it's just a matter of time. Um, and this is just gonna create, it's gonna make this world a much smaller place in a place that's gonna have an alternative way of doing business and selling products and services. What about Big Brother or data privacy or data collection, however you want to look at it, concerns that many people have that companies are gathering information and building profiles on them and their preferences, their places that they go, all sorts of information by tracking their cell phones, their purchases, their social media activity. Now the FBI has announced that they are spending, I don't know, millions or billions of dollars on social media tracking and surveillance. What can you tell us about that in relation to the ethics of the branding that we're discussing? Oh, that's a good question and a very heavy one. Um, because, you know, I wish I knew a little bit more about that when, you know, I, I, when I think of the, the times when, you know, I've been on my phone and I talk about buying toilet paper and then all of a sudden I go on Facebook and I start seeing ads for toilet paper. Um, it's a little scary, right? Because it's like, wait, is this just a coincidence or is my phone actually listening to my conversations? Um, you know, as we move into this, you know, 2023, 2024, 2025, you know, I think it's getting to the point where you're not going to be able to do anything without it being tracked. Um, you know, it's not like it was when I was born in the eighties and in the nineties, um, where, you know, nothing, nothing was tracked. Data was not, 
you know, very highly used as it is now. Um, for example, another thing that I had done, which obviously makes sense now that I that I've done it, is the twenty three and Me. Right. Um, I thought it was cool. I got it from my mom. I got it from my dad. I got it from my sister just to kind of see our genome and, and our ancestry and also medically what we're prone to. But obviously now we're in a database. Right. We're in a database where, you know, our information could be sold to pharmaceutical companies. They're like, oh, well, Ivan is predisposed to this, this and this. So let's start advertising our pharmaceutical products to him. In, in his 30s and 40s because he's going to need us. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I honestly don't see that kind of uh, the breaks being put on that. I think as we keep evolving in the world, it's all going to be a, da a data-driven world um, where everything and anything that we do is tracked. Um, and I just, I don't really know. I mean, it's, I don't know what it's going to lead to if that's actually a good thing for us, or could this be a severely bad thing where, like I said, we're just not, we're not going to have any privacy anywhere. Food for thought, right? Oh yeah. It's crazy. When, when I even think about this, like it's kind of scary. Cause I know I, I'm bad with movie titles, but I've seen a couple of movies where it's, you know, where it shows that we're being watched by Big Brother everywhere and anywhere you go, you're being watched. And, you know, to a degree, I think that's true. So on a lighter note, is it true that the real estate bubble is crashing and the crash is starting in California? Oh, Helena, I wish I had an answer for that question. Um, but, you know, we've been I've been being told that the market was going to crash six years ago um, and the problem that we have here in California, and I think as a population in as a whole, is it's a population issue. Um, it's a housing supply issue. Um, you know, two days ago, I went to our global real estate conference here in West Hollywood, and they told us that they are estimating that prices will continue to rise until 2026. Um, and that's because of the shortage of supply. There's a lot more people on this planet there's a lot more people moving to Los Angeles, right? With with medicine, a lot of people are living longer, healthier lives. And, you know, usually, you know, a lot of, uh, for example, um, lifestyles have changed where a lot of the elderly here are like, nope, we're not going to retirement homes. We're going to stay in our home till we die. And so now we don't have that supply. Um, and also a lot of people are moving to Los Angeles from all over the world, right? With what's going on on the planet, we're a safe haven for people's investment. And um, I honestly do not see a crash coming anytime soon. Well, I'm sure that's a relief for a lot of people. Ivan, thank you for joining us from Beverly Hills, California. No, thank you so much, Elena. This was, uh, this was such a great interview. I, I, I actually learned a lot, even though we were both talking together. This conversation really kind of uh, triggered me to think of a lot more things regarding the branding and life in general. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And to our audience, you have been listening to Ivan Estrada, who is author of Brand with Purpose. Find your passion and stay true to your story and accelerate your career. Who discussed branding? To propose a guest for the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.